Welcome to Good Day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. I want to talk about student loans. Uh, student loans, uh, it, it came to mind today. Uh, I did a video about it yesterday, but I had to do kind of a follow-up uh, because I saw a really great uh, point that was made by Jay Morrison. Jay Morrison was uh, bringing up student loans today, and I got to talk to Jay. Jay's uh, a friend of mine. And, um, and one thing that Jay mentioned was something that is... Uh, smart and obvious, and I agree with him 100%. He says, why is it so easy to get student loans, even up to hundreds of thousands of dollars with no job and no collateral, but you have to work miracles, hacks, and tricks to get a business or real estate loan, even with the collateral of the business assets or the land and the property. Um, I'm going to kind of explain some of that to you in terms of why student loans are easier to get than business loans uh, mortgages, and even, even auto loans. Auto loans are pretty easy to get too, but I would say student loans are the easiest to get. So uh, buckle up your seatbelt, get comfortable. Uh, we're going to get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. Uh, get comfortable. Uh, we're going to talk about student loans today very, very quickly. We're not going to be in here for too long, but I wanted to uh, address this issue. We talked about this uh, yesterday uh, when Joe Biden announced that he is going to help uh, remove student loan debt. I encourage you to go to the blackfinancialchannel.com to check out that video because in that video, I was explaining that a lot of the student loan uh, debt crisis was actually created through a bill that was heavily supported by Joe Biden back around 2005, 2006, in which they made it illegal for you to write your student loans off during a bankruptcy. So if that bill had never been passed, a lot of you would have been able to get past your student loans by simply declaring bankruptcy and, and just leaving it to Jesus. But instead, you, you're, you're stuck with it. The student loans stick with you like a like a bad STD. And basically, you're kind of stuck. I even jokingly refer to some of that as financial STDs, but that's not that's not the worst financial STD you can have, but it is relevant and it doesn't go away. So uh, let me uh, talk about, let me, let me kind of dig into this and ask you guys, give me a yes or no in the chat. How many of you are either um, in student loan debt or uh, or or have been in student loan debt and had to fight through it? Uh, now, Smart SmartWorks says can't find the Generational Wealth website. Uh, it's generationalwealthconference.com. I'll, I'll give you the URL. There's a URL on the screen. So go to that URL. You can still sign up for the Generational Wealth Conference. We still have day two, and uh, you can go check it out. Uh, so how many of you have dealt with student loan debt in the past or in the present uh, at all? Uh, give me a guess and in the chat if you are a, stu a student loan veteran. And uh, what I'm going to tell you is this. Uh, I don't think you should feel bad because uh, basically student loans have hammered a lot of people. Let me tell you why. Um, a lot of people have asked this question, so I thought I would answer it real quick for you guys. Uh, they, they would ask, you know, why is it so easy uh, for me to get a student loan of hundreds of thousands of dollars when I've got no assets, uh, you know, no income, uh, no collateral, and, and not even a credit history? I mean, don't you think that's a little, give me a yes or no if you think that's a little bit strange that you can get these massive amounts of money loaned to you when you're 18 years old, and uh, and you <laughs> and you have no assets, no credit history, no financial literacy. Don't don't know nothing about nothing. But they're loaning you one hundred thousand dollars at a time. Uh, give me a yes or no if you think that's kind of crazy. Uh, I, I think it's very strange. It doesn't make any sense. Well, if if you look at the research behind it, it does make sense uh, for the people that are making those loans. It doesn't make sense for you. It makes sense for them. Let me explain a couple of reasons why 
uh, student loan debt is so easy to obtain and what it's actually done to the U.S. economy. First of all, let me start by saying that the student loan debt crisis is literally the next financial bubble that's going to bust and it's going to body slam the U.S. economy. Uh, the same way, anybody remember when, uh, when you had the crisis with mortgage-backed securities? Give me a yes or no if you remember back in the day when you had the mortgage-backed security crisis uh, right before Obama got elected where uh, basically uh, all these defaults were happening and suddenly the whole financial system was about to collapse. Anybody remember that? Uh, well, the reason that was happening was because they set up uh, the wrong system with the wrong incentives. They were they were incentivizing people to make loans that um, were, were not, they weren't backed by uh, quality in terms of the uh, the ability of the borrower to repay. It was that simple. And so uh, back then you had the mortgage-backed securities. Uh, now you've got uh, the student loan asset-backed securities, which are which are similar to the mortgage-backed securities. The mortgage-backed securities are backed by mortgages that people pay. The student loan asset-backed securities, called slabs, are backed by student loans. So these slabs uh, used to be great investments. They allowed a, a good ROI for the people that loan the money. But now uh, that's not true anymore because now student loan default rates grow every single year. Uh, in fact, I, I found... Um, a chart on uh, Investopedia that I'd like to show you actually on student loan defaults. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Hit the thumbs up button if you uh, if you haven't done it yet. Uh, please hit the thumbs up button. Let me see here. Let me find it on Investopedia because I'd like to actually show you the screen and share my screen with you. Um, so so uh, so so here's the deal. Uh, student loan defaults have uh, have gone up, and also uh, the total amount of debt has just skyrocketed. A lot of the reason that it that the student loan debt has skyrocketed is because the uh, the, the companies and, and, and the banks that were making these loans were heavily incentivized to uh, to to just make the loans and not worry about repayment. Well, why was that? Well, because the government set up an infrastructure that guaranteed that they were very likely to get their money back. So let me show you. I'm, I, I got the screen in front of me here. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Boom. All right. So look at this. Uh, this is the total number of student loan borrowers. Uh, you see back in 2008, uh, this is the number. And then you see a steady increase over time. And then also you hear the, the um, average loan balance per borrower. You see student loan debt is just going crazy. It's going ballistic. And also what follows that are uh, higher default rates. So students are not only borrowing more, but they're actually defaulting more. And so so the crash is going to happen. It's, it's like a watching a train wreck in slow motion. So I have no doubt that there will be a financial crisis linked to student loans. Now, to answer specifically that question, why would uh, why why would a company, why would a bank loan uh, a ton of money for you to go to school when you have no assets, no collateral, no income, no credit history? Well, a lot of it starts with, with the Joe Biden bill. Uh, back in the day, Joe Biden uh, helped to pass uh, not just the crime bill. That's what he did in the 90s. In the 2000s, the bill that he passed or that he pushed for was a bill that made it illegal for you to write your student loans off in a bankruptcy. Uh, what that did was that guaranteed the, with the banks that they were going to be able to chase you down for your money for or for their money for the rest of their life that they that there was no chance that you were just gonna you know duck the obligation and walk away and uh, the reason for that the reason that he pushed forward with this bill was because uh, his big financial backers were uh, people that were actually in uh, in the banking industry uh, so so one reason that it made sense to make the loans is because the government's like we got your back we'll make sure that they pay 
we won't let them write this off in bankruptcy. The other interesting thing was in addition to that, you had uh, government subsidies and guarantees to back up student loans as well. So the bankers felt very comfortable making these loans to 18 year olds who would never borrow money in their life because the government was actually, would actually step in and subsidize. Uh, some of you remember getting uh, subsidized student loans. Uh, there were some loans that were guaranteed by the government. Also, you had the uh, slabs, the student loan asset backed securities, where they would do what they call um, uh, 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 not collateralized, securitize, securitize, securitize all these loans, like package all these loans, your loan in with a thousand, with 10,000 others and make it into a big security and people could actually go buy it and they would actually get the interest payments on the security the same way you loan money and somebody pays you interest. So what this did was it drove up higher university tuition costs. A uh, university said, well, hey, you know, since all this money's out there available for our students to borrow so they can pay us, well, why not increase the price of tuition? Because they're going to go to college anyway. Everybody feels like college is important, like we all have to go. So uh, basically, because everybody needs it I, and there's plenty of money out there to borrow to do it, then what we'll do is we'll just tell everybody, just go sign this piece of paper and, and you can come to college. And so everyone signs a piece of paper and everyone's going to college. It feels like it's free because you don't have to pay it till later. And so what happens, unfortunately, is you go through life with this big monkey on your back, this big pile of debt. And the reason that it's easier for you to get the student loan than it would be for you to get something more beneficial for yourself, like a mortgage or a business loan, is because the uh, unlike the mortgage and the business loan, the student loans were backed by the government on every single level. Uh, they were they were they protected uh, the banker from uh, from any form of default by you for the most part. They wouldn't let you declare it in a bankruptcy. They also would step in and repay it in the event that you didn't pay. And some of these guarantees have disappeared, which is actually why some of the banks have actually walked away from the student loans. Also, a lot of banks and a lot of investors see that the student loan uh, bubble is going to lead to a crisis. That eventually this bubble is going to burst. It's going to be messy. It's going to be bloody, uh, and and everybody's staying away from that. But basically, that's why it was easier for you to get the student loan and not the, uh, the, the the mortgage or the business loan. Now, one of the things that I've seen people do that I actually thought was pretty smart is I've seen people actually take their student loan and, and find ways to connect that to helping them get the education they need to go start a business. So to some extent, the student loan, while it's not directly a business loan, it could be kind of a business loan in the sense that if you borrow as much as you can at, at the lower interest rate, then that will cover school. Maybe you have something extra, a little extra money, and that covers your living expenses. And then if you have a job, you can invest all that money into your business, right? So to some extent, a student loan can be used to propel you forward economically, even if you plan to be a business owner. I'm a believer that any black person that wants to get ahead financially will become a business owner and an investor. Uh, borrowing a bunch of money to become an employee just does not work. Uh, for most people, it doesn't work. Even for doctors and lawyers now, it doesn't work because the amount of the debt is so high. Also, the financial literacy level is so low uh, for, for so many people. And then on top of that, the ability to generate independent income is incredibly low. We have a lot of people that know how to go get a job, uh, doctors, lawyers, dentists, et cetera, that, that know how to go work for somebody. But very, but, but what is not there is the skill to actually create your own income through things like entrepreneurship. So I, I am advocating that as a community, we must completely shift our culture over to entrepreneurship, uh, investing, and real estate ownership as core key values in the community community. That idea of being an employee should be the fourth thing on the list. First, you learn how to invest in the stock market. Then secondly, you learn how to start a business. You start a family business because that's where your wealth is. You just don't know it yet. And then third, you own real estate. You acquire as much as many assets as you possibly can. You literally fiend for the assets. So when they say cream, you know, money moves, cash moves everything around me, cream, get the money, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. No, forget all that. Real estate, 
ownership moves everything around me, owning my business, owning uh, pieces of other people's businesses through the stock market, owning real estate and assets and land and property. That should be the thing that moves you economically, not getting a job, not having a high income, even the things like getting the bachelor's degree and all that stuff. Those are nice. That's cute. That's okay. But that's not really going to help you dominate in this economic system. Okay. So those are my thoughts uh, that I just wanted to share that with you. I hope that that helps you. Um, th this answers that question. Uh, not to say Jay couldn't answer it on his own. Jay's a smart guy. He's a good brother. I like Jay a lot. But I just wanted to kind of address that because I thought that this student loan thing is something that a lot of people were confused by. Like, why can I get all, why, why are you going to let me borrow $200,000 to go to school and give my money away to this university, but I can't borrow $200,000 to build something with my family. That doesn't make any sense. Well, that's because the, the economic system has its favorite children. So basically, when they loan you $200,000 so you can instantly hand the money off to a big white university, uh, that's very different from loaning you $200,000 that you can then hand off to a big black business, right? Uh, because And that's where the power is. The, you know, When the debt is made available, who are they incentivizing you to give the money to? That's how things like even charity, charity gets exploited in that way. Uh, there are big charitable organizations that will go out and raise $100 million. And it's not so much about uh, the money being available. That's not the that's not the good deed. The good deed is not done yet. The question is, who gets that money once it becomes available? So if I have a charity, let me just, just see how the economic game kind of works. Some of you need, need to kind of understand this because we get played all the time. If a charity raises $100 million, um, you know, and they say, well, we're, we're raising money for Ethiopia. We have starving kids in Ethiopia. We want to raise $100 million for the kids in Ethiopia. Are the kids in Ethiopia really getting that money? Is, is Ethiopia really getting that money? Or are you going to give the money to someone else who is claiming to provide a service for Ethiopia? Right. So if I have a business or if I have a charity and I say we're going to raise $100 million or for Haiti, let's use Haiti as an example. How many of you how many of y'all really think that any Haitian uh, that the Haitian people actually got all that money that was raised by the Clinton Foundation. I'd be curious. Let, let's look. Let me look this up. Hit the, hit the thumbs up button. We're going in a little bit of a different direction here, but I, but I think this makes makes the point. Um, hit the thumbs up button, please. Uh, so, how much money did the Clintons raise for Haiti? Let's see. Let's see how much money the Clintons raised for Haiti. Uh, the Clinton Foundation. Uh, it says here that they raised thirty million for Haiti. Um, I believe it's more than that. I, I thought it was a bigger number than that, but 30 million. Uh, and I know that probably about a billion dollars was raised when Haiti had the earthquake. Now I need you to pay, process this for a moment. How much of that billion or more that was raised for Haiti around the world, how much of that do you think went to Haitian business owners so they could start small businesses? Uh, how much of that money do you think went to the Haitian people? It was a 15 billion. Thank you, Mark. That that sounds like a reasonable number. I mean, they, it it was it was in the billions. It was in the billions. Uh, I want to I, I want to look it up, but I, I didn't have the number in front of me. Let me see how much money was raised for Haiti um, in donations. Okay, let's see here. Um, okay, Red Red Cross. The Red Cross raised half a billion by themselves. So billions of dollars were raised with Haiti. Haiti, uh, the suffering of Haiti, just like the suffering of Black people in America, was mass marketed for the economic gain of a select group of people, right? So they mass marketed Haitian suffering to entice people to give. Once those people gave, that money didn't go to Haiti. That money went to people who were claiming to be stewards of Haiti, right? And and so, and that's where the power is. The power is not in, uh, you know, how much money was given. Uh, the power is 
who is the steward of the resources? Who's controlling the resources? Who decides whether that half a billion dollars for the Red Cross is going to go to the people of Haiti and to business owners in Haiti versus how much of that money is going to stay in the hands of the Red Cross or be given to a few, trickle down to a few uh, of the Haitian elite who are allegedly collecting money on behalf of the Haitians. And you know how that system works out. Right. So so that's important for you to understand, because that same game is being played with you in the United States as well. Um, you have people that that will uh, if you ask politicians, OK, we have black business owners. We want to own schools. We want our own businesses. We want money in people's pockets. They'll say, well, OK, great. We'll create jobs for you. We won't let you own businesses, but we'll give you a job or we will uh, we won't let you own the school, but we will build a school and we'll run it. We'll pay ourselves to run the school and we'll give you an education. Right. No, you need to ask for the ownership of the school. You need to ask for the ownership of the business. You need to ask for the ownership and control of the resources. That's that's a poweronomics principle. So let's go back to the student loan issue. Here's how student loans. Here's how your student loans are making white people rich. Uh, I'm going to keep it that blunt and that simple. When when a, a bit when when a, the, the government or a bank gives you a two hundred thousand dollar loan for you to go to school, they are not giving you two hundred thousand dollars. They are giving the university $200,000 to give you an education from which you can go and try to do something with that if you want to. Not to say education is bad, but that's very different from it, you know, literally pay attention. If they literally, for example, we have the black business school, right? And so if they pass one law that said something like uh, with your student loan money, when you get $200,000 to go to school, you can actually use that $200,000 to get an education from the black business school. That right there would, would, would be massive in terms of shifting black wealth, because instead of billions of dollars in student loan money going to white universities, billions of those dollars would go toward black people or independent black institutions or poweronomics in the, in the Harvest Institute that Dr. Anderson runs, right? So I'm not saying that this is the law I want you to push for. I'm just saying that that kind of explains to you how this game sort of works. And you got to understand that in terms of understanding the difference between people who do you a favor versus people who just pretend to do you a favor. At the end of the day, it's all about ownership and control of resources. So the reason that you haven't seen black people really uh, benefit that much and, uh, you know, from, you know, things like student loans and access to education and all these other things that they're claiming to give you is because you're not controlling the resources. You will not have power until you're controlling resources. That means you, uh, that not just working for the businesses. It means owning the businesses. It doesn't mean just, you know, living in the property. It means actually owning the property and being the landlord of that property. Right. So so that's what you want to aim for. And that's where the strength lies. And that's where I want you to go. All right. So do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button. Also, if you want a free e-copy of my book, It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar, you can go to allblackeconomics.com. That's allblackeconomics.com. And, uh, and let me give you uh, one more uh, URL you can use. Feel free. We're building black media. So I just want to share with you guys where I'm at. Uh, also, sometimes we have private conversations on Clubhouse. So if you want to follow me on Clubhouse, I think the parlor app might be up. I don't know if it's up or not. I don't, I don't keep up with all the nonsense right now. But uh, but either way, I'm on uh, Clubhouse and Parlor uh, at Dr. Boyce Watkins. So follow me there as well. And uh, have a good day, guys. I'll see you soon. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Be good. Peace.